gentlemen, welcome to episode 086 of the Becoming Man podcast. This episode is brought to you by MasterMyPurpose.com. I'm your host, Ray Delanues, and this is the podcast for men on their masculine journey. This is for men who are looking to live epic lives. Guys, thank you so much for trusting me each and every week with just an opportunity to get into your ear, hopefully to get this information into your head so that it would make its way into your heart. If you're new to the podcast, by the way, I just want to say thank you for joining us. Welcome Welcome. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you won't miss another episode again because we do some pretty awesome stuff here. And if you want to help us transform the lives of men from around the world, then you can, like right now, by just taking a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes. Guys, this week, my guest is Adam Griffin. Adam is a husband, father, and lead pastor at Eastside Community Church in Dallas, Texas. He's also one of the authors behind the book, Family Discipleship. Today, we talk about how to effectively disciple your family to become the lovers and friends of Jesus so that you would lead you and yours into a meaningful and rich legacy founded on the rock. Gents, enjoy this week's episode. Adam, thank you so much for joining us, man. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you, Ray. Thanks for having me. Hey, if you can go back a decade and talk to yourself for 60 seconds and then you're going to disappear. What are you saying to that guy? Oh my goodness. A decade. And what am I saying? In 60 seconds. I think ready I'm go. talking about, I'm, I, yeah, ready to go. Well, first I'm like explaining time travel real quick so I can do it over and over again. <laughs> uh, but I think also I'm probably seeing something along the lines of like being really intentional with every moment you've got with your wife, your kids, and with the Lord's work he's called you to. I think I would want to um, be an encouragement. Like there's something really good coming. If I'm 10 years ago, I'm going, you don't even know how good it's about to get. Like your marriage is, your wife is incredible. Your kids are incredible. Just enjoy every minute, but be intentional and be present. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you at that point? Oh, 10 years ago, I was 32 years old. I was, uh, we had a newborn and we'd only been married for a year and a half. And uh, man, our whole life was still ahead of us. Uh, yeah. My wife and I had only known each other at that point for just a couple of years, but we had, man, just a, man, we were right on the edge of this yeah. incredible adventure that we're in right now. 10, <laughs> 10 years, last 10 years have been the best 10 years, you know? And that's why I asked because man, so you got a, a yeah, 10, a eight and six year old. And I'm That's looking right. at, okay, what does that mean? That means you were just entering the stress bubble. And I'm glad that you yeah. added in there the fact that you had just gotten married, you know, not, not even uh, yeah. two years before. So now like you're this young man trying to figure it out. And then career wise, I'm sure that was another adventure there, you know, oh, trying to sure. establish yourself as a just young 32 year old. Yeah. And the, the advice you would say to yourself is intentional intentionality. Yep. Man, I'll tell you right now, I think if I were to look back, uh, just even over the last 365 days, if I could just sit, talk to myself and be like, Hey, more intentional, more intentional, focus more, just enjoy it. And yeah. I think it's because the temptation is, you know, we move at the speed of the internet nowadays. So the temptation is to always just progress forward. Here's a quick example. Since we're recording around this time, as we get done with the holidays, how quick did you take down that Christmas tree and take down oh, the yeah. lights? <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah, right away, man. And, and like, then uh, the New Year's resolutions, and then how quick did I give up on those? You know, like, exactly. Quick. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Everything's just kind of transitioning before you're even done with yeah. Easter decorations. Like you know, Fourth of July stuff's already out. Yeah, and yeah, I think yeah. that really deprives us of something. Right, would you agree? Oh, for sure. I think it, what our culture doesn't get to do much of is just sitting 
in the present and enjoying yeah. it. Part of it is uh, now, instead of the experience, it's the photograph, you know, it's like, what mm -hmm. is the picture of it that you got? Not so much of uh, what did you experience? You know, we're, we're happier to, to scroll and to post and to picture than we are just to be present. And yeah. I want to be a father who's not just trying to get the best pictures with my kids. I want some experiences, you know, I don't want to, I want to dwell in some of those things. I don't think, um, I think it's similar to our relationship with the Lord. The Lord's called us to be still with him, to dwell with him. Yeah. To be active, to be on mission for him, but yeah, also to just soak up uh, the, the day he's given us is new mercies today an opportunity to, to be blessed in his word and be present, uh, be right where my, right where my feet are for a while. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, that's something that you've continued to grow in and be intentional about over the last 10 years to the point where like you've released this book, uh, yeah. family discipleship. And now you're, you're talking about this stuff. You're talking about being intentional with your family yeah. and choosing to cherish those times. Tell me a little yeah. bit where that came from. Well, at the time, you know, 10 years ago, I was just becoming a new dad, but I was also leading a, a next gen staff at a church people that oversaw ministry with kids and, and uh, teenagers and volunteers from the church. And we were trying to figure out ways, how can we communicate to parents what we expect their role to be in the household? And then what can they expect from us, their church? And I had thought so much about discipleship over the years. I had um, invested a lot in younger men's lives and been in, invested in a lot. And so the, um, so the passion was all there. A lot of the ingredients were there and we kind of sat down as a staff and said, how can we communicate to our parents, what we expect their role to be as disciple makers. And we came up with some, some phrasing, some, some language, uh, that eventually became the framework that we use, which is time moments and milestones. And, and, uh, we started, uh, applying that at a church and found that it was really helpful and really great. And, uh, that church was, uh, the village church in Dallas, which is where my co-author of the book, Matt Chandler is still the pastor there. And a couple of years later, Crossway kind of came to us and said, Hey, there's, we're just looking for what are you guys doing that would be helpful to others? And they asked yeah. us to write a book on this. And uh, so getting to do that with Matt, but really with the help of so many people at our church and the insights of so many of them over the years, we'd, we'd seen the fruit of it. And I've seen the fruit in my own house of just what it looks like to intentionally disciple using that framework of when are we getting together? How are we leveraging the opportunities every day and what are kind of the more significant uh, moments in our lives that we want to celebrate or commemorate and how do we do that well? And how does that apply well to any family? Every family is different. Every kid is different within each family. Every parent has different gifts. And so that book really came from uh, this basic idea, Ray, that out there, there's a ton of resources. There's a ton of books on being a parent. There's a ton of books on uh, being a Christian. Uh, but I, I think if if there's a realm of resourcing where there's, there's a ton, I, the one that I'd point to is a premarital counseling. If you're going to get married yeah. and you're a Christian, there's a ton of books out there that'll like, here's the questions you need to ask. Here's the things you need to think about. But when you're a Christian, you become a parent or when you're a parent mm -hmm. who becomes a Christian, there weren't really resources that we'd point to and go, well, here's how you plan. Here's how you think about it. There are resources out there to do it with. There's story Bibles, there's um, devotionals, there's albums, there's all kinds of stuff like that, but there wasn't like a, but how do I think about this? How do I plan that? And so we felt like there was a hole in resourcing that we could fit and that we could fill with what we were doing in our church, which was equipping parents to think about how they lead spiritually in their own homes. And that's really what it birthed out of is trying to meet that need that we saw publicly. Yeah. I guess the guys listening then have to fit within, I'm going to say four categories, either you're not a dad at all, but you will be in the future, right? God willing. 
uh, you're a dad to be like the baby's coming. You're a new dad. Baby's here and you're figuring this stuff out or you're a growing dad, right? Like yeah. you're, you're dad now, but you're, there's always more, right? We are, we're being uh, sanctified, right? Always. Yeah. There's no perfect dads except for one, right? Yeah. Right. And so each one of these guys, and again, listener, right? You listening to this right now, each one of these guys are then faced with this tough task, right? Or will be shortly with this tough task of doing this job that you're talking about, right? Discipleship. And like, we want to do a good job generally. Uh, like every yeah. guy doesn't, nobody like wants to be a dad. And it's just like, I'm just going to be as average as I could possibly be. Like everybody wants <laughs> yeah. to crush it and be the dad that he never had. Right. But yeah. somewhere along the way, I think uh, either we don't have the right resources and, and like you're talking about here, you provided a resource or we don't have the right ideas. And so maybe I want to peel back before we get into just talking about, you know, what the time moments and milestones mean. Let's just build common uh, terminology. Like, what do you mean when you say discipleship? No, that's good. Yeah. I think uh, discipleship for me is helping somebody be a friend or follower of Christ. And so discipleship is something that uh, anybody does anytime they're trying to help or be helped and how they follow or befriend Christ. And then family discipleship, obviously, is specifically what that looks like in the home. And we define that as the uh, critically important, but mostly ordinary work of leading spiritually in your home. Mm-hmm. Critically important mm-hmm. because it's something the Lord asked us to do. So that makes it important because we're talking about our kids' souls. So that makes it important. We're talking about eternal work. That makes it important. Yeah, uh, it's it's a bigger priority from feeding, clothing, educating, housing. Our kids is how we lead them spiritually. So it's critically important, but we call it mostly ordinary because it's really the everyday normal stuff you do. It's not superlative. It's not, you know, it, it, it's not every day is your graduation ceremony or your, your party and celebrate. It's every day. You're just saying little prayers with your kids. You're yeah. saying little things to bless them. You're reminding them what's true about them and true about God. It's the, it's it, the best family discipleship is done when it's very normal for your family to open the Bible together. That it's not like, wait, what are we doing? It's like, no, of course we're opening the Bible. That's what our family does. Right. And so it's the normal everyday stuff. So like in your life, Ray, you, I'm sure that you do a ton of stuff to stay physically fit. Like the, the yeah. nature of your job, the nature of your role, like you're staying physically fit and it, it's normal for you to exercise. And so for you, it's not weird to be like, I'm going to go lift this, or I'm going to go run over that, or I'm going to go, you know, step up on this. It's, it's normal for you. And yet it's critically important that it's really common. It's really, it's your routine because how else Mm -hmm. will you build strength? How else will you keep it? And the same is true for the discipleship in the home is it's, it's best if it's normal, it's every day, because that's how we get stronger at it. If we do it every once in a while, it seems odd. It seems abnormal, then it's really an uphill battle. It'd be like exercising once a year and then trying to run a marathon. You you die. (laughs) And so what do we do? We do a little bit every day and make it a normal part of what we do as a family. So we might build it as the most important thing our family does. The everyday actions, I guess maybe that should remove pressure rather than add on to it, right? Instead of like showing up and saying that I just got to perform every day. I'm hearing you say, it's just like the regular stuff that you do. It's it's the tone that you use or don't use, right? It's the mm-hmm. way you throw out the garbage or do the dishes, right? Or, or the way you play with Legos, right? With your kids. Yeah, it's a, it is an everyday thing. And it's, to me, it's a way you, it's a way you drop your kids off at school. Like for us, mm-hmm. we, we pray for them right before we drop them off at school. It's a way you put your kids to bed. We're going to read the Bible before our kids go to bed. It's the way we sit around the dinner table. We talk about what's going on in our lives. We joke with each other. We try to make each other laugh. We enjoy one another's company. It's yeah. the things our family does together. We go to church together on Sunday mornings because or Sunday afternoons in our case, but 
we go to church together as a family because that's what our family does because we want to honor the Lord with our lives. It's the way we handle our finances. We try to be generous. It's the way we handle our home. We try to be hospitable. It's all those kind of normal everyday things that the Lord has called us to. And we try to model for our kids and invite our kids into. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I like about the definition you use is that you said it's you're doing this, you're helping somebody become a follower or a friend and a friend of Jesus by how you follow and befriend Jesus. Exactly right. So there's yeah. a lot of modeling here. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Modeling is a, a critical aspect of, of what we think it means to be a disciple maker. And that is you can't impart what you do not possess is something Howard Hendricks used to say. He was mm. a professor at a, a seminary. So in order for you, if you want your kids to be followers of Jesus, but you are not yourself following Jesus, then that's an unattainable expectation. You, right. you can't fake it for your kids in order to help them follow Jesus. What we want is for every parent to have a genuine personal relationship with God where they are personally following him themselves. So what does that look like? It looks like the parent is trying their best to be obedient to Christ, to be in his word, to be, to be prayerful, but also where we fall short, we'll be repentant. We're not calling parents to be perfect for their kid's sake. No parent is perfect and neither is your kid. So if you want your kid to be following Christ, understand that your kid is going to be imperfectly doing so. So help them out by showing them how you imperfectly do so. How do you repent where you fall short? Talk about the normal everyday stuff, right? I mean, some of those powerful parenting moments are going to be when you've messed up and you sit down with your son or your daughter and you say, Hey, dad just said something to you he should not have said, or the tone I just used with you is not the tone a godly man should use. And so will you please forgive me or what you saw me doing or what you heard me say, uh, will you please forgive me? It's those moments of repentance. Cause that's what we want to see exemplified in our kids. We want to see them yeah. do the same and our authority in their life does not excuse us from owning our own mistakes. It actually is a great opportunity for us to own our mistakes with our kids. Gosh, I I've learned these lessons that you're talking about by totally face planting a thousand and one times. So I'm only, (laughs) I'm only, you know, somewhat, you know, of a better dad today, just because I've, I've uh, scraped myself just enough. And one of those seasons was during uh, a time me and my wife decided to sell our four bedroom house, beautiful house we had in Florida. And we said, let's go move into a 40 foot RV. (laughs) Oh, with man. two children and a dog. <laughs> uh, that's where the third child was added. So now it was three children and a dog. And then the dog had to leave because there was no space, unfortunately. Uh, she's in <laughs> a better dog. Yeah, she's in another <laughs> home right now. Okay. But uh, what we ended up doing, right? Like if you've ever been in an RV, that's like a cardboard box on wheels. And so whatever <laughs> happens in one room, it doesn't stay in that room. It, it spills yeah. over to every room because it's it's one room essentially, right? It's one cardboard box. And so we had to like, had, we had to get really good at apologies. What was okay mm. in a four bedroom house where we can go to one side of the house and the other and kind of be mad was not okay in a place where like our kids were watching and listening to every single thing with the most open ears and the most open eyes. Right. And right. so we were forced to be like, I am so, you know, come, come forward with an apology. But then we even learned like, what happens after the apology? You know, that's where we picked up the, the, Hey, I forgive you for, and that right there, those words being spoken, right? That just came out of that season Powerful. of the importance of seeing what happens after somebody makes a mess, right? Making yeah. a mess is like spilling paint everywhere. Like, where do you now need to clean this paint up? Yeah. Like, where did it get on? Yeah. And so, I, man, I'm with you there. And the guys listening are probably, you know, again, in those four categories and they're yeah. like, okay, I want a resource. I need a resource. 
And yeah. one of the things I found about parenting resources is that when you try to get too specific, you will miss a part of the crowd because every, like you said before, every kid is different. Every parent is different. Totally. So what is it that you guys come in with um, in family discipleship that kind of gets to meet people where they're at and yeah. also point to that different, those differences? Well, I think the framework is, is general enough to apply to everybody, but helpful enough to give you some direction. So okay. when we talk about time moments and milestones, time being like um, kind of the appointed time that your family is going to gather around the word moments being leveraging the everyday moments and the milestones being the, the larger version of both. How do we celebrate and commemorate? Those are actually things that apply to every even single man or married couple without kids. You think about when are we gathering around the word? When is it on the calendar? When are, when are we putting it down saying, this is time to gather around God? Then how am I speaking about God? Speaking about uh, God's characteristics, speaking about godly character in the moments of everyday life. How are those applying? And then milestones, how are we going to celebrate, commemorate, apply some pomp and circumstance to what the Lord is doing? Yeah. Well, that's, that's going to be true for everybody. So what we're yeah. trying to help a family do is both to catch that vision uh, for those three areas. And then uh, in additionally modeling that we've already talked about, right. But uh, for those three areas and then plan out what could, that can look like. And so the strategy in the book is to give them almost like a metaphorically, you think about it like a picture frame. When you have a picture frame, you have these typically of a four-sided frame. It's a rectangle and you can put any, a picture of anything in it. You can put a picture of your family, you can put a picture of a mountain, picture of a, your, your dog that you no longer get to see anymore. And you want to put up a picture in the RV. You, you, put up, you put a picture of anything in there. And that's the way we feel about the framework. It doesn't yeah. matter what your family looks like. It fits in this. It's when is your family gathering around the word of God? Here's some ideas for daily, weekly, monthly. What does it look like for you guys to gather? Okay. How does your family uh, leverage moments of, uh, for example, discipline? When you, you don't predict when your kid's going to need discipline, but I guarantee they will. How are you going to use your role in their life as the spiritual authority to guide them into the gospel, to use gospel principles and how you discipline them? And how will you, how will you do that? Well, what is the shared language your family will have? What are the scriptures you keep running back to? So those are how you leverage moments in addition to just how are you pointing out the characteristics of God in everyday life? You know, when, when things are really hard, how are you pointing out that God is still good? God's in charge. And when things are really yeah. great, how are you pointing out that God is truly a wonderful counselor and, a, and an everlasting father? And how are we pointing those things out about God? And then milestones, it, there are some that you mark and there are some that you make is the way we would say. There's some that you mark. In other words, like God did it in your kid's life. You didn't know when it was going to happen, but now you want to mark it. Your kid got saved and let's celebrate. Where are we going? How are we going to celebrate that? Or you mark, you know, they're coming. My kid's going to turn 16 and get keys to a car, or my kid's going to uh, graduate high school, or my kid is taking their first communion, or they're going to get mm -hmm. baptized. And how do you uh, leverage those for the gospel as you celebrate a milestone, maybe your kid's birthday or uh, Christmas together, Thanksgiving together, Easter together. Those, those are examples of things that might be milestones that we want to help equip families on how to celebrate. Well, those are going to be part of everybody's life. So regardless if you're still don't have uh, kids yet, or whether you've got young kids or whether your kids are older, there's different variations in those framework that I would say, man, that we're just thinking about how this applies to your life, not whether it applies to your life. We're thinking about how. And so that's the idea of the book is to give a general framework that's super helpful for people to plan out and get their head wrapped around this, especially with the fact that a lot of family discipleship, not all of it, but a lot of it is couples. A lot of it is a man and a woman thinking through this together. So how do you get on the same page with how you want to lead your family 
we want a resource that like helps them both think about it. So we go, okay, this is what we're doing. Now, not yeah. you do that. I do this. It's, this is what we're doing. So I have a plan. Cool. That's good. That unity is good. Oh man. So give me an example. Let's get really practical. I guess if, if there's a guy listening, that's like, okay, I want to get better with the moments, right? Yeah. I'm a, I just want to get really intentional about having and sharing these moments, these special moments that, that might turn into milestones right down the road. Yeah. What advice do you have for that guy? Well, if, if he's thinking about how to leverage moments, we talk about a couple of things. We talk about shared language. So in our home, we'd have language that my wife and I both use in the way that we talk to our kids about God. We have uh, definitions for attributes of God that we'd use, um, different uh, vocabulary we would use spiritually. So really practically, we might talk about God, uh, God being wise, that he knows what is best. We might talk about God being good, that he is what is best. Uh, we, we use one another verses, you know, I'll, I'll challenge my kids to open the door for their mom where we're walking into a restaurant or into a church and I'll say, Hey, who's going to outdo one another in honor? You know, those are, those are verses or when our kids aren't getting along with each other, we might talk about how we're going to love one another, how we're going to forgive one another. Those are, those are biblical principles. But beyond that, Ray, we have some language that just our family likes to use. We talk about when we're reading the Bible together or when we're just out about and we see uh, issues of peer pressure or people doing things wrong around and we'll say, when, when is it okay for Griffins? That's my family. When is it okay for Griffins to follow the crowd? And my kids know the answer is uh, we only follow the crowd when the crowd is following Jesus. That's what, that's what we say. That's our kind of our back and forth language. And we have a lot of things like that. When our kids were younger, they would get scared. We'd say, Hey, if God's got you, who can get you? And they'd say, nobody. And we'd say, that's right, buddy. And if God's for you, who can be against you? And they'd say, nobody. I'd say, that's right, buddy. And we said, if, if God loves you, who can separate you from God's love? They'd say, nobody. I said, that's right. That's right, buddy. And so we talk through kind of that kind of shared language. We also have just kind of gospel principles too. In our family, we'll say, when is it okay to push or punch? We got three boys. So of course that comes up, you know, when is it okay to push or punch? And my boys know the answer is to protect. And so we'll say, okay, yes. just push or punch. Was, was that to protect somebody? And the answer is hundred percent of the time. The answer is no, they didn't, they weren't trying to protect somebody. Yeah. Um, but maybe one day they'll understand that the reason the Lord gave them strength is to protect, not to battle, not to, not to prove that they're uh, a better person by being stronger. No, it's to, to protect people. And so we have language like that that we'll use to leverage different moments, moments of discipline, which will come up all the time. Then we'll apply gospel principles. When they were really young, we'd ask questions like, Hey, uh, you, you lied or you messed up and you know, the way I feel about that, you know, that the Lord has asked you not to do that. Does God, um, does God love you less now that you lied? And when they were young, they might say like, yeah, God loves me less. And we say, no, God, God's love has not changed. Do you think dad loves you less? No, dad doesn't love you less. Dad loves you. That's why he's asking you not to lie. God loves you. That's why he's asking you not to lie. And isn't it good? that God forgives us, that there's something so much better than uh, just depending on ourselves to fight back of the things that God has asked us not to do, but rather he empowers us to walk in self-control. It's a fruit of the spirit to be gentle, to be kind. And so a lot of times we'll use, uh, you know, mixing of what we know to be true from the scripture language that we want to be kind of sticky in our family. And that's what we use to leverage moments, but it comes with uh, planning ahead, knowing how will we talk about this when this happens. So in the book, we have a bunch of examples of language you might use, of phrases you might use, of situations you might face. If your kid is sad, if your kid is mad, if your kid is happy, if he's uh, celebrating, like what verses could you rely on in those moments to say, well, what do I want to remind my kid of what's true from the word of God? And I think that kind of preparation being in the word, 
knowing the word is about the best, best preparation you can have in order to um, leverage an everyday gospel moment. I'm going to challenge the listeners right now that if you guys just want to get extremely good at internalizing good pieces of information, just go ahead and rewind the last three minutes and 30 seconds and just listen to that one again, right? Sometimes we listen to something one time and, and Hey, that, that sounded well, but what you just laid out, Adam was so impactful that, mm. I mean, this is what organizations, you know, even just the Marine Corps uh, do so intentionally, right? Something like language. Uh, that you yeah. brought up. We, from the moment you step on those yellow footprints, you yeah. have to change the way that you talk about yourself, about the people around you and your, your identity within the group, within the community. Yeah. Right. And it and creates so you, a, it creates a group identity for you guys, right? Cause you have the shared language. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so now you have guys, right. Who you're going to challenge with going forth and fighting for this country and the language yeah. that they use as they're about to face maybe I don't know, like danger and death, it matters, right? Like things just like that you learn, man, from day one, like leave no Marine behind. There are pictures out there of a Marine running out into open fire to grab a Marine who's dead, dragging Mm. him backwards and then getting shot himself Mm. because the principle from the common shared language was so internalized that it just, it didn't stay in the head. It traveled down to the heart and it became a driving purpose within the culture. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly yeah. it. You create that family culture, you create that family identity and that shared language is what you build it around. And yeah. so then you also brought up uh, something, even man, discipline, right? So now we're talking about yeah. uh, something else that the military does really well. The yeah. only reason we're able to do uh, discipline well is because there was a strategy and a plan and it's a continuously changing plan, just so you guys know, uh, which is why we don't get whipped anymore. Thank God. <laughs> Like yeah. there was still lashings in the early 1900s. So just oh, go man. figure. Yeah. Marines were still getting lashed for certain things. So, but there is a disciplinary system yeah. that says, Hey, if this happens, this is how we approach it. And if this happens, these are our left and right lateral limits. But what we do, yeah. man, so often is we just show up to par- to the stage of parenting and we just say, uh, we'll just figure it out as we go. Uh, we'll do what our parents did and we'll, we'll mix, uh, uh, you know, between two, uh, two parents, if there are two parents in the picture, even, and we'll just kind of mix a little bit and the kids get confused and there's no consistency. And like one time you got away with it and the other time you got a, you know, you got a pretty good right. spanking for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, there's a, there's a also Ray, one of the things that I should point out too, there's also a parental hypocrisy. And I don't know if you've ever mm. seen this, but I see it to myself all the time that we will discipline kids for things that we are actually demonstrating for them. Uh, we will uh, discipline them for losing their temper, but we will lose our temper on them. We'll discipline them for um, being too loud, but we'll yell at them about it. Uh, we'll discipline them for whining, but we will complain about how much they whine. And yeah. so too, like it's recognizing that we are all, if, if we are following Christ, I'm a son or daughter, even before I'm a parent. Mm. So I need the discipline that you're talking about. I need the discipline of the Lord that kind of what the writer of Hebrews talks about is like, because my father, my heavenly father loves me, he disciplines those he loves. And so I'm not above the discipline that my house needs as well. Like I also need to obey the same rules, same way in the Marines, your, your uh, superior officers don't get to like throw caution to the wind when it comes to the yeah. language, when it comes to what they're no, if, if they did, man, the men who are following them would be like, that guy's a hypocrite. That yeah. guy is asking us to do something that he's not willing to do. That's now, right. You as a parent have to yourself be the one who's also walking the discipline of the Lord, who's also a, a man or a woman under authority 
who's saying, man, I have people who disciple me. I have a God who over oversees and I surrender to his will for my life. And then we demonstrate that for our kids. And so the shared language, the, the leveraging moments, it's also a little bit too of the modeling, like what are my kids seeing in my own life? If I want them to say they're sorry, does, do they ever see mom or dad say they're sorry? Right. Like I want to demonstrate those things for them. And that is so good. And there's this word or the, this phrase that floats around in the military uh, called good order and discipline. Right. And so you can be charged for something that might not even be written down uh, as an offense, but if it affects good order and discipline, <laughs> you're going to get charged with it either way. Right. And that's just a general yeah, it's like article. A ca- that it's we a catch all. It's, it's a like catch all. We all exactly. got to do that. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, man. I'm, so I was a prior enlisted uh, staff sergeant. I'm now uh, an officer. And there is a difference when you're mm-hmm. the guy in charge wearing the silver, you know, the shiny ranks on your collar. There yeah. is a difference. And when you're the one that's supposed to be guiding and being the, the moral compass or, or really wanting to impart that moral compass into your unit, but you yeah. are wavering, oh, the hammer comes down twice, twice as hard. Oh, wow. Twice as hard. Yeah. And, and it actually, I'll say the threshold for that hammer coming down is much lower. Because mm, the expectations right? are that much higher. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the pay is higher too. So I guess it yeah. matches the, the responsibility <laughs> yeah. matches the pay or it's supposed to. And, you know, I'm feeling this because on one end, I know what the Marines need, right? Like I, or I know what they want being prior enlisted. I kind of have an idea of what really happens, but being on this yeah. side of the ranks, right. Being an officer, I know I'm like, ah, I know guys what you want to do, but I'm telling you, this is what we need to do. And this is why we need to do it. And uh, I'm not allowed to whine and complain with them. Right. Even if I might agree with them, even if I might see it through their eyes, uh, because just because I need to maintain that good order and discipline, knowing that at the end of the day, that is going to be the better thing for the unit than anything else. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And you're thinking about, I mean, similar to the way we think about our own family units, you're thinking about what's best for my family. You're thinking about what's Mm -hmm. best for the Marines. You're thinking about best for that unit. You're going, okay, I need to think about if leadership looks like serving and it looks like initiating what needs to be done. It's in many ways, the same with your Marine unit that it is with your family unit. You're saying, if I'm going to lead this group, I need to think about what needs to happen and how can I initiate it? Not just how can I create unhealthy demands on other people and how can I discipline them when they don't meet my expectations? It's how do I demonstrate for them what it looks like to pursue these expectations? And then where do I, in the family unit, repent where I fall short? Because all of us are going to make mistakes. That's right. I want to own those things. So I want to kind of shift gears a little bit, get your perspective on this. Uh, this is not written down in your book, I'm sure. And uh, uh, maybe something that really touches up on current events and, and just the, the running agenda or the shifts of agenda going on right now. Uh, so okay. if we're looking at the United States right now, although we have listeners outside of the U.S., our international listeners, I'm sure you're experiencing this too, but there's this shift from, you know, a two-parent household, right? And we're, and there's, one parent household. There's this, this shift from the important roles of mother and father to now there's different names for them. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's this shift from like parents are the guardians of the image of God to like, no, now the community, the larger community is the guardians and we, the guardians, and we know better, right? Like as the school system, we know what's best for your children mm-hmm. or the community, you know, the, the government system, we know what's better for your family. I know that there is definitely, um, a good portion of men, especially the guys listening to, to this podcast um, who want to fight back on that because we sense the, we sense the shift in the moral compass in there. 
Yeah. But there's, I think that there's more, right? There's another like second and third order effect that will come from this if we allow that darkness to continue to push into our lives. So again, I want to get your thoughts, just kind of open mic. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, there are a lot of cultural shifts that I think Christian men should be concerned about. I think there's a lot of, um, by cultural shifts, I mean, things that become normal and celebrated that the Lord would warn us against. Uh, whether that's the role you play in the family or what it means to be a man or a woman, what it means to be uh, a kid under authority, what it means to be part of a church, the role that a church can have, the freedom a church can express or the freedom mm-hmm. a family can express to believe what they believe. And I, I, there's a lot of cultural shifts where um, things are moving towards or already are there where what you believe determines how lo- loud your voice gets to be in somebody else's life. I'll tell you, Ray, one of the things that I've heard commonly is uh, people saying that it is unfair to tell a kid what to believe. You need to let them determine for themselves what to believe. But we know the reality is culture is constantly telling them what to believe. So if you abdicate your responsibility as a parent by not telling them what's true, you're going to be the only one not telling them what's true because the culture is certainly going to tell them, actually, this is this is the reality. This is who you are. This is what your identity is built upon. And I guarantee our culture cannot be trusted to be godly. Our culture is increasingly... Uh, based on this fact that uh, an unbiased position is an atheistic position, that in order for you to operate in any job, you have to be able to set aside your religion. Well, that's, a, that's, establish, that's establishing a position of humanism instead of letting me establish myself as uh, a Christian. I'll, I'll, for example, if you're a counselor in this culture that we're in now, and you go to counseling school, they'll tell you, hey, if you're a Christian and a counselor, that's not going to work. You have to counsel people as if you're not a Christian. If you're a teacher, you have to go, oh, you're, you're, you can't really uh, teach and be a Christian. You can be a Christian outside school hours. When the reality is the freedoms our country are built upon is nobody can tell me that I can't be a Christian teacher. I can be a teacher and express my views as a Christian. And that's actually legally protected. But culturally, we would say, no, that's not. Okay. No. Mm-hmm. Now, legally, I couldn't tell somebody else what they have to believe. I can't establish their religion for them. But as a parent and as a teacher, a counselor, a Marine, a politician, I mean, fill in the blank, police officer, you are allowed in our country of the freedom to believe in Christ and do your job and let your belief in Christ influence your job. Now, when you're a parent, there's a microcosm in there where people might think, well, you know, there's a little bit more freedom. It's, it's, it's the same freedom. You are allowed to believe what's true and operate out of that truth. And it would be a great crime if you knowing the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ did not tell your kids that because you thought that will serve them and letting them decide for themselves what's true. It'd be like saying, well, you know, uh, in the desert, I know where some water is, but I'm going to let my kids find it for themselves. And if they don't find the water that I, I chose, that's fine. No, Christians know there is one way truth and life. And that is Jesus Christ. And we, we have the responsibility, the God given responsibility to share that with our kids in any place that culture departs from that. We also have the God given responsibility to boldly stand against that, whatever that looks like. What comes to mind for me is Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are told like, Hey, everybody in our culture is going to be bowing down to this idol and going to be eating these foods. And they go, well, well, not us. We follow a different God. And they say, well, the punishment is death for that. Say, okay, I would rather die than not follow my God. That's the boldness I want to still instill in my kids that they would be ready not to be the most popular kid, not to be the most accepted kid, but ready to be the most faithful kid to what's true. Mm -hmm. And in a culture like this, 
preparing your kids to be faithful is going to be essential because that is going to be an uphill climb. It's going to be uh, upstream canoeing. You know, it's going to be hard because the culture flows the opposite direction than what God would call good. So I want my kids prepared for that. And I, as a dad, want to be prepared for that, to be able to speak boldly and say, well, that's actually not what we believe. That's not the way we talk. That's not where our faith is rooted. And uh, that's not always easy because the cultural current is strong. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting the picture right now of, you know, salmon, how they they spend their entire life swimming upstream. Yeah. And I started to really dig into this because I found it really interesting. Uh, you know, for you guys that don't know, salmon will go up to the top of a mountain, right. And have their little babies and the babies, the spawn, the, the, eggs, yeah. the spawn, right. The, the eggs will hatch and then they swim downstream. Right. And then once they, they, something triggers, right. And it really, they haven't really identified what it is, but they just know it is time and they just turn around and start swimming upstream. Right. So they grew swimming yep. with the stream the entire time. And they're like, no, you know what? I'm actually meant for something greater than just swimming yep. with the current. And so they, they swim against the current. And what you find is, uh, you know, in the, especially in the mountains, these fish will spend days just trying to jump right? These, yep. these cliffs, because they came down a cliff. Now they have to go up that cliff and they right. make it right. So, you know, some obviously get lost along the way, <laughs> get yeah. eaten up by the bear, but a lot yeah. of them make it. And then they keep going, they keep going also that they can get to calm water, right? Yeah. That, that calm water at the top, that lake at the top of the mountain and just lay that next generation down. Yep. Yeah. And that's what, it, that's exactly, that's very much like what we're talking about where it's, you're, you're prepared to say for the sake of my family, I'm going to mm-hmm. swim upstream, but really it's because it's what the Lord has asked me to do. Yeah. You know, it's not just to be a great dad. It's because this is what the Lord has said is good is that when the culture is wrong, I don't flow with the culture. I right. stand up against it and I get to do that boldly without being uh, less than gentle. I can be gentle and bold. I don't have to be in your face. I don't have to tear somebody down in order to tell them they're wrong. I can, I can disagree and say, I'm going to, I'm going to stand somewhere else. I'm going to go a different yeah. direction. And that's what I want my kids prepared to do. I want my kids, when Christ talked about this generation, he said to his disciples, you need to be ready to be hated because they hated Mm -hmm. me. And that's the way I want, I want us raising a generation who's going, it doesn't matter if they hate us. This is still what's true. And it, that goes against a lot of our instincts and our culture of like really wanting to uh, be, we think that tolerance means never disagreeing. That's not what tolerance means. We think that peace means being um, a uniform, you know, it's unity can come with a great deal of diversity and we can have a different opinion and still be unified as a nation, as a city, as a school. But it doesn't mean that I need to succumb to the will of the culture in order to do so. I want to boldly stand for Christ. Yeah. And one of the things that you said before is like our kids now need to choose and we need to be the ones to equip them to choose whether they want to be accepted or faithful. And few yeah. times do both happen when you're talking about the larger culture, especially today. You're exactly right. Few times. You're exactly right. And man, what, what is, how can we sell that? Let's just, let's just go back a step and talk yeah. about the marketing that's happened continuously. Like you yeah. don't even know you're being marketed to right now, but there's logos everywhere. You know, the, the, the channel that you're what you're listening this listening to this on, you know, there's something that is trying to get your attention. They're fighting yeah. for your attention, and so we have to be aware that there is a force external to to you that is trying to get your kids' attention, trying to get your attention, get you hooked, get you get you to think what they think. Yep. And you need to choose: is it worth it, or and show your children: is it worth it 
for you to deny all of this stuff that the world is promising to be faithful. Yeah. To choose the, the least traveled path. And you need to sell that more than the people who are spending billions of dollars to market to them. Yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. And it's the thing is though, like you have the advantage if you're willing to take it of being in your kid's life all the time and you have the responsibility to steward the influences in your kid's life and your own. There's so much, uh, we talked about parental hypocrisy earlier. If there's things we wouldn't allow our kids to watch, we need to start asking ourselves, but why would it be okay if I watch it? Whether it's violence or vulgar or vulgarity. And I think there's a lot of things like that. We would say, well, I don't want my kid watching that, but we'd feel free to go because I'm an adult. You know, that will have influence on us. So let's steward the influence that other, other things get to have in our lives. And let's do it in a way that honors the Lord. And I think there is, uh, there's an uphill battle. If your kids are involved in the culture, the way I talk about it like this is Ray, I talk about it as monk and missionary situations. A monk is somebody who'd like uh, deprive themselves of society. They remove themselves from society in order to focus on the Lord. And a missionary is somebody who like dives into a society in order to introduce that society to the Lord. Both of them are saying we're different than the culture, but the monk is saying, so I'm going to remove myself. The missionary is saying, so I'm going to press in. And there are different times in your life as a parent where you're going to have to think about what areas of our life are we going to be monks and what areas of our life are we going to be missionaries? I don't want a family to only remove themselves from society because then who's the missionary who's sharing the light of the world. Yeah. And I don't want to only subject my kids to everything in the culture. There's some things I don't want my kids to see. I don't want to get my kids to be involved in. Absolutely not. We're going to, we're going to remove ourselves from that because we want to focus ourselves on Christ. But you as a parent, that is your responsibility. Where are right. we monks and where are we missionaries and where do we walk that balance? There are, uh, there are movies, there's music, there's media that I don't want my kids to ever be exposed to. And part of that's because I've learned the lesson of being exposed to it, whether it's images on the internet or whether it's uh, a, a certain rating or whether, whatever it is, I want yeah. no part of it for me or for them. And then there's other things where I go, well, I want my kids to know people who don't know the Lord. And I want them to, I want them to be involved in sharing the gospel with them. And we're going to be missionaries in those areas. And there's other things that they're going to be exposed to no matter what, that I want to be the one who exposes it to. I'll tell you, Ray, I just took my 10 year old son on a, on a kind of a milestone trip. And on that trip, we talked about, uh, cuss words, we swear words. And I walked him through like what some swear words mean. Cause I want, I want him to know, like, I know these words yeah, and you're going to hear them. Some of them you already heard. You probably don't even know what they mean. And I want to, as a missionary, go like, hey, this is what the world's going to tell you. Griffins don't talk that way, but I want you to be aware of these things. And I want you to know your dad is the one you can come and talk to about them. Mm, that's and good. so in that, we're doing that. Now, we're going to be monks about their use. We're not going to be the ones that are using these words, but we're going to be missionaries in the awareness of them. Here, here's right. where you're going to see opportunities. When somebody says um, to damn something, here's what that means biblically. You know, and then all the other cuss words that I wouldn't share on your podcast, because uh, yeah. <laughs> I think you got a lot of Christian men listening that don't need to hear Appreciate a pastor it. cussing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but we walked through that together to say, how do we, how do we as, uh, as men now calling up my 10 year old son, how do we as men operate in a world that does not believe what we believe all the time? Wow. That right there is the challenge that you guys, you listener, you get to be faced with every single day you get to choose. And even if you don't have kids, You're still, you right now are stewarding the man that will be leading a generation. You're stewarding the man, right? The man that you choose to become that will impact your children that will leave a legacy or not. Yeah. Right. And that's, that is a grave responsibility. 
And it's up to, yeah. up to you to be intentional and to press in or just to back down. Yeah. So Adam, if guys want to get connected with you, uh, if they want to get a hold of you, connect with your stuff, buy the book, where do they yep. go? Where do you want to send them? Uh, that's a great question. Well, t- I'm not big on self-promotion. I'll tell you, I don't, I don't make a single dime off of book sales. So go buy the book, but that's not because like, Hey, I'm trying to sell something. I, we wrote the book because we think it's going to be helpful. So family discipleship published by Crossway. I think it's a fantastic book. Uh, Chandler, Matt Chandler and I put a lot of time into it and I think it's really helpful. Uh, my wife and I, and a friend of ours who does uh, church work with kids full time, we have a podcast together called the family discipleship podcast, where this is all we talk about is spiritual leadership in the home. And we bring on guests all the time that this is their expertise. That's a great way. And you can follow that on social media. And then you can, you can always find me out there, man. If you need to find my email address, you can find it. If you need to find me on social media, you can find me, but I'm not doing that because I'm trying to build a following or a platform. I'm just a pastor. I'm just trying to pastor my church. Well, and above that, I'm trying to be a son of God who is happens to be a husband and a father who wants to do a really good job at honoring the Lord in the way I do those things. 